Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of the 2005 film, Crash. It's the sense of touch. Any real city, you walk, you know? You brush past people, people bump into you. In L.A., nobody touches you. We're always behind this metal and glass. How far can bullets go? You thinking about that bullet that came through your window? What's wrong? You all right? I am angry all the time, and I don't know why. Put your hands on top of your head, ma'am. Will you just do what he says? Now, do you have any guns or knives or anything I might get stuck with? It's your brother's file. Kid's going away for life for stealing a car. All I need to do to make this disappear is to frame a potentially innocent man. Did you find your brother? Oh. Tell him to come home. Everybody a certain distance, huh? Boy, she starts to feel something in panic. What I need is a husband who will not just stand there. What did you want me to do? Get us both shot? Get out of the car! Give me the keys! I just had a gun pointed in my face. And it was my fault because I knew it was gonna happen. Hands in plain sight, step out of the vehicle. Honey, stay inside! Man, don't walk up on me! I know this man! Get back! You know who you are. You have no idea. You had a conversation with God, huh? What did God say? I'm trying to help you. I didn't ask for your help, did I? It's okay, Daddy. I'll protect you. It's the sense of touch. I think we miss that touch so much that we crash into each other just so we can feel something. <laughs> something else, man? People, man. People. All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for the 2005 film Crash, and the story is as follows. Writer-director Paul Haggis interweaves several connected stories about race, class, family, and gender in Los Angeles in the aftermath of 9-11. Characters include a district attorney, played by Brendan Fraser, and his casually prejudiced wife, played by Sandra Bullock, dating police detectives Graham, played by Don Cheadle, and Rhea, played by Jennifer Esposito, a victimized Middle Eastern store owner, and a wealthy African-American couple, uh, played by Terrence Howard and Tandy Newton, humiliated by a racist trap. Graphic cop played by Matt Dillon. There are other actors beyond that, but those are the main ones. The film is written and directed by Paul Haggis, co-written by Bobby Moresco. Joining me for this podcast review, I have Dan Bayer. Uh, what a world, what a world. Cody Derricks. Hi, guys. <laughs> Josh Parham. Hello, hello. 
And also, because this is a Patreon-exclusive podcast review voted on by the community of Next Best Picture as part of the Last Best Picture series, we have two Patreon listeners here joining us. We have returning guest Andrew Poor. Hey there. And for the first time here on the show, we have Daniel Brilliant. Hey, guys. Okay, so... Crash, the best picture Oscar winner of 20... There is. <laughs> of 20... Yeah. Oh, God. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So let's... Let's... Let's take a step back here. Because <laughs> I, I, I have to say, I have so many thoughts. I, I just, just finished watching this. Only the second time I've ever seen it. First time I saw it uh, was many years ago. I would say maybe it was in... 2007 or 2008 maybe was the last time I saw this. Um, and I, I do have, yeah, I, I think we all have things to say. So what I want to do in order to help structure this as best as humanly possible, why don't we just first start off by going around asking everyone uh, what their first experience was like watching Crash and what this new experience was like. And if this is your first time experience, uh, just give uh, brief overall thoughts before we get into specifics. Let's start off with one of our guests here. Let's start off with Andrew Poor. Yeah, so when I, I actually, the first, this is my first time watching it. I watched it today, <gasps> actually. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> and I think when I first started, I'm like, Okay, so this is the... It's okay, everyone's racist, the movie. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's put it this way. There's a lot of... Uh... There was a lot of bland summaries which could be used to sum up this movie. And uh, that that definitely sounds like one of them. Uh, Daniel Brilliant, what about you? Well, I watched this on Prime on Saturday for the first time. And this was coming off the Green Book win, of course, as we all know. So very interesting. Great irony, right? Yeah. <laughs> that this won out our poll right when Green Book won Best Picture. It and it's being be. often compared to Crash yeah. as the worst Best Picture winner since then. So not not planned on our part. I just want to throw that out there. This was all divine intervention, I feel it's like. It's much like the characters in the movie. They kind of just crash into each other. It was a oh, my God. <laughs> it's not, not, not divine intervention. No, 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 no. This came, this one definitely came from the bad place. <laughs> all right. Continue, Daniel. So uh, I was watching it, and I'll admit, I think I slightly preferred it to Green Book. Controversial opinion, but it's a mess. It's a mess and a half in many ways. <laughs> it, understatement, maybe definitely the understatement of the podcast for sure. Cody, what about you? Okay, so <laughs> I saw it when it um, came out. I saw it on DVD because I remember it came out like the movie was released in like August. So I was able to see it before the Oscars. And I remember this was the first time I ever watched a Best Picture announcement live. Like I was old enough finally. And it just really, I think the fact that this one <laughs> shook me into like appreciating the Oscars because it was such a shock. Um and then I watched it again this past week, literally right after Green Book won, because my boyfriend and I kind of went, should we watch Crash? It just felt right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So turned on yeah. Prime. And guys, I don't hate it. Wow. Okay. I think it is a mess and a half. Yes. And the screenplay is maybe the most screenplay that's ever been written. But I think sometimes it works. We can get into details about that. Um, obviously, it's it, it has no right winning Best Picture over Brokeback. It, no world is this even close to that masterpiece. But I I don't think it's even close to the bottom ten of Best Picture winners. 
Okay. All right. I love it. A little bit of diverse opinion there. All righty. Okay. Dan Baer, what about you? I remember watching this. So this is came out in 2005, uh, which was my junior year of college. And I was, it came out in May or I think somewhere around then. And I was like, I was towards the end of college years, so I missed it in theaters. And then I saw it when it came out on DVD. We were, I was at home for some vacation or other and rented it with the family, as you do, because like that was a movie that could appeal to everybody, quote unquote. And <laughs> it was it was a movie that we watched <laughs> together and I was almost shocked that my parents didn't turn it off after the first five or ten minutes. Um, some, I was shocked watching it just now um, in preparation for this because, like, you know how people talk about the that opening scene of Juno being really tough to get through because the dialogue is so ridiculous? That is also true of Crash, and no one ever says that. Like, you have to get acclimated to some ridiculous dialogue in the first five minutes of this movie. <laughs> like, like to the point where you're like, people don't talk like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I remember being like, wow, y- you guys are okay with this language. And they're like, yeah, you know, it's, it's fine. It's whatever. It's racism. And, I <laughs> uh, wow. I remember when it was over thinking that it was a like really good summation of where we were as a country at that point in time. Um, and shockingly, now when I just watched it, it seems almost more appropriate now. Really? I think so. So are you also saying it kind of works? I don't think I'd go that far. Like my initial reaction to just about every scene in this movie was fuck this movie. <laughs> uh, <and> I, <laughs> Not unfair. <laughs> because it's like, God damn it. Every single fucking person in this movie is the worst. <laughs> Except for like Michael Pena. And that's about it. But like, I mean, really, I mean, they're all the worst. And I, I am a very cynical person, but yeah, it, 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 I was surprised by how well the, at least it doesn't seem like it didn't seem dated, I guess. That's what I was shocked by. We'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> Josh Parm. Oh man. I, I feel like uh, Francis McDormand at the Oscars. Uh, get ready. <laughs> I got some things to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Stand up. Okay, yeah. Okay, so when I first saw this movie uh, back in the day, I was 15, I think. And at the time, I actually do remember really liking it. And getting into the Oscars, it was sort of early in my time when I was watching that stuff. And I was into the whole story behind it. I thought it was a really well-done film, and I enjoyed it. But in the years since, I have found less and less things to enjoy about that film. And having watched it very recently, I have to say that I thoroughly hate this movie. (laughs) And not only do I hate it, but I also think it is just an ugly movie. And not just aesthetically. I mean, just 
like a personality wise, you're right, Dan, that everything about this movie, just every character is so thoroughly unlikable. And all of them revolving around this theme that is just basically everybody's racist and that's kind of okay. And I just find that to be so kind of despicable as a thematic uh, avenue for the film to take that every single time they dive into it, it just is an exercise in futility to me. I think most of these performances are decent, but none of them are really exceptional. And just every time I watch it, I just think that this is a movie that tries so desperately to say something interesting about race in America, but instead it just purports this very shallow idea of connectivity, and I just thoroughly, thoroughly hate this movie. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I saw this film, I don't know how many years ago, and honestly, I didn't like it then. And I just finished watching it not even 10 minutes before we hopped onto the podcast here. And I still don't like this movie. And a lot of that has to do with this is definitely a film of its time. Uh, There have been many films that have commented on race, uh, contemporary race since then that have explained their messages in a much more uh, responsible manner. Um, that weren't as blunt as this movie is with some of its screenwriting and just wasn't as much of a turnoff. I think people confuse this movie with some of the performances and uh, definitely the performances like with drama, acting, overreactions and emotions all throughout. And that's good cinema, you know, I, and I think that that's like what a lot of people really hang on to. And I, I, I think there are some decent performances in there somewhere but the issue with this movie is you're trying to tell this sprawling almost epic in a sort of way uh because really the the content is epic enough like you could tell a whole mini series with the amount of characters they have in this movie if you wanted to and they did yeah (laughs) Yeah. let's not go there let's judge this (laughs) but this movie is less than two hours long And all of these characters, to me, they're not actual people. They are surface level. They're not three-dimensional. They're all two-dimensional. And this film wants to present these moral quandaries and these situationals that they find themselves in. And it's like they want to present these contrasts and um, some of the stuff that that some of these characters find themselves in. I just looked at it and I'm just like... My God, like this is movie magic where I know the fucking magic trick. Like I'm not being fooled here by, you know, the the filmmakers and what they're trying to do. It's just too on the nose. And I just rolled my eyes, found myself laughing. I think I wrote, of course, at least 15 times in my notes here somewhere. (laughs) It's a movie that just rings incredibly (laughs) shallow or hollow or whatever hollow word you want to use, you know, to describe it. It's just, it is what it is. And I could get into specifics. I'm going to get into specifics here. But one thing, like, first and foremost, let's let's, let's, let's start from the beginning. Um, And I think we'll use to talk about one aspect of the movie here. And that is the music of the film uh, by Mark Isham. So the film starts off with like this long opening with just the music and the titles. 
And the music is not anything, in my opinion, to write home about. It's a very mid two thousand score. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like most tech elements of this movie. Like, like it just screams like self-importance. And I like immediately right from the very get-go, I was like, this is a movie that's taking itself very seriously. <laughs> you know? And <laughs> yeah. the opening credit sequence is quite frankly, pretty boring. You know, and I, I just at that point I'm like I don't even know what the movie's about. You're just presenting out of focus uh, lights on the screen of a street while you're flashing everybody's names and playing this self-important music. And Don Cheadle very seriously intoning the, the central themes of the film. Our lives, say, we, 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 we touch and we crash. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, God. Nobody <laughs> said it's when the Los Angeles that's ever existed. Well, we know that that's not true, Harvey Weinstein. Oh, Oh, all right. We went there. <laughs> so let's start off with like with the very, very beginning. OK, let's start off with Don Cheadle's character. Let's actually do that. Let's break it down maybe by character. OK, so we got our opening. We hear Don Cheadle. Let's start off with him. Let's start off with his storyline and we'll use him as a spider web jumping off point to talk about some of the other characters, because guess what, everybody? Everyone is connected in this movie. So... <laughs> We'll start off. Oh we'll start off with uh, Don Cheadle. Uh, let's 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 start there. Anyone got thoughts? Anyone have notes written down for his storyline? Well, I just want to jump to the end for a second. It took me a day until a day after watching the movie to realize that was his brother dead at the end. The movie did not make that very clear. In my no, mind. it doesn't show. But I mean, yeah, you're right. It doesn't like. Yes, I actually thought that when he's showing the body at the end, I actually thought that that was to. Um, one of the wives of one of the uh, cops uh, that the uh, that the other cop that they were bringing down internally uh, had killed. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. it wasn't a uh, yeah. That, I got it right away. I recognize the mother. I recognize <laughs> the woman right away as the woman who played his mother. Well, no. So like that's the problem with like Don Cheadle's storyline. Like honestly, it's very very confusing until you get to the scene with William Fitchner. Yeah. where it all starts to have like all the exposition just thrown in pretty much and the his plot line starts to become a lot more clear. Well, the whole subplot of the there's a detective who shot another detective, but yeah. the detective that got shot had money on him, but he was black. It's it is very very <laughs> in the weeds. It's it's confusing and I I every time we went back to this storyline it was like, "Oh boy. This was the most like lead footed kind of storyline. I just did not. It's very plotting and doesn't really but it's like, it has, that story. That specific part of his storyline has two scenes. And one of them is the Bill Fickner monologue that is, it's yet another example. And at that point we've sat through an hour, an hour and a half of this of like, everybody's racist. No matter what you do or say it's racist the world sucks. It's a terrible place. And you know what? You should all be ashamed of yourself. The William Fitchner part, not. I think, is the most egregious part in terms of people don't actually talk like that. Like yeah. when he's talking, when he's monologuing at Don Cheadle about the behavior of black people, this like an anthropologist or something. Oh, that's God. when it's the most Jesus. like oh. nobody talks like this, especially to a black person. <laughs> what well, are you saying? I, I think apparently some white writers think that that's how white people talk to black people. God, oh, Maybe God. these writers I, did. I don't know. You know. Well, no. Well, you talk if you read any interview with Paul Haggis about the movie, he's like, I researched this for two years. I had town halls and all meetings. 
paintings in my house because I wanted to see how people really felt about race. Well, that's like the weird thing about this movie, right? Is that it's it's supposed to be like an impartial view of racism in that nobody is actually like a victim here. Nobody's at a quote unquote bad guy. Nobody's a quote unquote good guy. Like everybody is to blame. Yeah. See, I actually don't agree with that i don't know if that's what like paul haggis kind of line like explicitly said was the thesis theme in the movie to me it really is kind of just a snapshot of like these (laughs) terrible people and how their hatred you know either makes their lives crumble or they're able to succeed with it i don't really see it as a like i think paul haggis wants his theme to be complex i think he wants the issue to be complex the problem is that it's written in such a way that it is so so apparent and so on the nose with every single scene that the message just like hits you in the face. And yeah, I, 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 it's interesting because I can see what he's trying to get at here, but the way that the characters are all just written it, it, and in the, the condensity of the, of the movie, right, being less than two hours long, you can't tell the story that he, that he wants to tell in in this manner. It just doesn't work. Yeah, he wants this to be like a very nuanced and complex portrait of how we interact and connect with one another. But none of that is executed that way. It all just comes across as very surface level and most of the things that the movie attempts to talk about in a complex way just never land. And that is what is so bad. Hey, everyone. Sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of the full podcast review of the 2005 film Crash from the Next Best Picture podcast. In order to get the full review, you will have to head on over to our Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get this along with other exclusive podcast content from us. This review is an hour and 45 minutes long, so there is definitely a lot more to cover in terms of the film and what happened between it and Brokeback Mountain at the Oscars that year. So once again, head on over to Patreon. For $1 minimum, you will get this entire podcast review from us. Thank you so much for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and newly on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. Thank you so much once again for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.